Welcome to Meet Me on the Front Porch, a Meadow Rise production podcast about faith, family, fun, and friendship. This week in Porch Chatter, we'll talk about our visit to see a local stage production of Beauty and the Beast and review the movie Hidden Figures with Kevin Costner. And in Sync Our Rockers, we'll pick up on episodes 7, 8, and 9 of Gilmore Girls. So grab a hot mug of tea or a cup of hot coffee and meet, meet me, me on, on the front, front porch. Hi there, Trisha. Hey, Paula. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, actually. Good. Finally getting back to normal. Good. I actually cooked dinner for my family last night instead of like tossing them something frozen. <laughs> I even made dessert. So lots more energy coming back. Very good to hear. Mm-hmm. It's been a long road, <laughs> yeah. but it's also good to see you start feeling more yourself. Uh-huh. Just in time for spring. Bring on the sunshine. Okay. So last time we did a video. Mm-hmm to advertise right, the podcast. Mm-hmm. I have gotten some funny comments about the video. <laughs> First of all, people don't understand that the coughing at the beginning was because it was called The Hills Are Alive with the Sound of Coffee. Coughing. Yes. <laughs> because it was a joke. Yes. All we ever talk about is last, how sick we yeah, are. For like the last two or three episodes. Is... And so I thought it would be funny to start it out with coughing mm-hmm. because that's what we called the episode. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're like hacking off to the edge and I'm patting you on the shoulder. Right. <laughs> and I have gotten so many comments. My mother. I talked to my mother and she's like, you really need to get some rest. You don't sound good. And I'm like, oh my word. My best friend from college writes a note somewhere on one of the videos and said, fluids you, or something. Yeah, right? You really don't sound good. You need some rest and fluids. I'm, I am acting. This is acting. You did a good I job. I did a bang up job because man, they are confused. Well, last night somebody said, so-and-so told me to tell you they really like your podcast. And I was like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. They saw you coughing. And I was like, that's, that that's isn't the, the podcast. Yes. That was a video yeah. advertising the podcast. Well, and here's here's what kind of offends me is that you're sitting there hacking and I'm like tapping you and trying to focus you to the camera. Does your mom and your other friends really think that, you know, somebody would be that callous if you were actually Yeah, could you quit coughing yeah. and hey, please shut act? up over there? <laughs> could you could you stop doing that and make our video? <laughs> yeah, cuz I'm just like <laughs> You know, being a big dork, like, hello, we're doing a video now. And nobody seemed to, like, catch on to that. They're all like, oh, my word, she's dying. Well, the funny thing was, though, that I edited out most of the coughing out of the the episode. But there was still quite a bit of coughing (laughs) that I had to edit out. But, oh, my gosh, it's just so funny to hear people's comments this week. So, yeah, we're going to keep doing those videos because they get more attention than them. (laughs) And maybe eventually one person will listen to the podcast. We've got some followers on SoundCloud and Mm -hmm. we're really, I'm really happy with the way things have gone. We haven't even been at it a year and got over 500 listens. Mm -hmm. So I I haven't looked at it lately, but it Mm -hmm. could be more than that. Mm -hmm. So So what else have you been up to? We are finishing up winter sports. I had two that were playing basketball. And so my oldest child has her basketball banquet tonight. So we have to run over and... And do that. And then my older son finished his last game on Saturday. So he's played through Your older the son is little. He's I mean, little. You made he's, it sound like he was... Sorry. He is my older son, but he is the third child in right. my family. Okay. He just happens to be older than his little brother. The little son. <laughs> yes. So he's been playing basketball through the Y all winter. Right. As has my 11-year-old. He has improved a ton. But he still hadn't actually made any baskets. We had finally gotten him confident enough to shoot when the ball comes to him rather than pass it off. But nothing had landed. Saturday morning rolled around and I was in bed going, does he really need mommy and daddy there? And I'm like, it's his last game. No, get up and go. So I went. And I am so happy that I did because not only did he make his first shot, he made his first two shots. That's awesome. First one, you know, they were they were ahead by quite a bit. And so the coaches had told some of the better players, let the other ones take shots. Even if they don't make it, it's fine. We're 20 points ahead. We need them. We're going to treat it like a practice for these other kids and get them a little bit more confidence. Oh, that's great. And so two or three kids who hadn't made a shot all year all made them on Saturday. Mm -hmm. So it was really exciting, really fun. And so we thought that he would be done with that first one because they were trying to get the other kids. He ended up with the ball and kind of like threw this like left-handed hook shot and it swished. And I was (laughs) like, you've got to be 
kidding me? I wish I could have so, seen that. It was awesome. Good end of both seasons. And Good. now we look forward to four different children on four different soccer teams. Yes, now you become soccer mom. Yes. Boys are on two different Y teams because they're two years apart. And then Elise is in junior high. So she's at a charter grade. school. And then Marin is at a public high school. Yeah. I have. We finished up basketball, too. And mm-hmm. Alex's last game did not go as well as Jude's. Alex lost almost every game. Yeah. They won maybe one or two games. I think they won the week before. But his last game, they were down by a good 12 points. And they came back and they were Within only one point. point behind. So That's true. They really but rallied. Alex didn't have that great of a game. But you're mm-hmm. right. The team, yeah, the the team, team did have a good game. Yeah. It's, well, he, this was his only, like, this was this his was first his winter. This was very first year played. playing basketball. Mm-hmm. He loves it. Yes. He loves it. So well, he's we're constantly to, practicing yeah. with mine now. Well, and I think yeah. he and Jude have benefited from playing together. Yes. Like, at the mm-hmm. Y, they right. work out together right. and play. And just so that, you know, you guys have heard mm-hmm. hers is 11, mine is 9. My 9-year-old is the same size as her 11-year-old, yeah. so they're, like, very evenly matched. Yes. Mine's, know? like, so. average height, and yours is way above average. <laughs> She's so, really, really yeah, tall. They're so. fairly evenly matched. Mm-hmm. And Jude's played before, yes, so that makes them more, mm-hmm. more evenly matched. So, yeah, they play together at the Y, and I think just from doing that, they've improved yes. more. Yeah. He's had a couple baskets throughout mm-hmm. the year, which was great. Yeah. I think he was a little disappointed that he didn't. Yeah. He didn't really even get a chance much of a shot. And now Saturday, he knows so. that he loves it, so he can spend all summer ball right. handling. Boom. Next yeah. winter, he'll be way more prepared. So we're looking for yeah. some basketball camps and mm-hmm. things like that. And now we turn to baseball. Supposedly, we start next week. Yeah. So <laughs> okay. I hope you enjoyed your one-week break That's because right. now we're into baseball, mm-hmm. and he loves baseball as well. Mm-hmm. So. You know, he's not going to be hankering for things to do. Yeah, they don't like to be bored, so they want to be doing Oh, yeah, doing he likes stuff. to be moving. Now, mm-hmm. my other one is more of a computer. Yes. You know, he's more intellectual, more... Well, he's more AV, audiovisual. Like, yeah. he's, he's constantly shooting movies and wandering around your backyard, like, getting pictures and, mm-hmm. and videos that then he narrates. And, yeah, very creative. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. yeah, sports is not his thing. No. He doesn't really care about competition. Now, he does like it. Whenever he comes up with a new way to score something or yes. like he made his own scoreboard that right. one time whenever he was at one of Alex's games, he was he had come up with his own way to score he was like and everything. Sinking and, his cell phone with yes. his Kindle or something and somehow he was Well and he had gotten it so that whenever they changed the thing on the scoreboard, his phone would change. Right. So somehow he figured weird. it all out. So yeah, so he that's his way of getting into it is stats and yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, and that's okay, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. We encourage him to go and support his brother. And yeah. Last time he goes, can I go walk around the track? I'm like, yes, yes. you want to exercise? You go walk around the track. <laughs> you can watch from up there. Uh-huh. So all that. And then we also went to a musical. We did at one of the local high schools. Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Yes. This is at our local high school. Mm-hmm. I must say that we have a local high school that... It's very large. It's very large, and I would say the musicals are way above... Yes. They are nearly professional grade. Yeah. Because they borrow all of the professional sets. They they buy all of the costumes. Like, they Mm -hmm. use the same things that our actual civic theater here in Grand Rapids uses. Yeah. So... I would say they're very close to being on par with civic. Yes. They're... I mean, even the voices, you know... Even for high schoolers, you've got some some really yes. great talent. With Beauty and the Beast, there's several, you know, really good character roles. And the ones who played the character roles were just on par. Yeah. Lumiere was hilarious. And he, the funny thing was, is he had a character set for Lumiere. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like he was copying anybody. No. Unless he was copying maybe somebody on YouTube from no. Broadway or something. Mm-hmm. But to me, it was like this original character that he had set and he never veered from no. it. No, no. And it he stayed with so the French good. accent more than anybody else oh, in he there. Did. I mean, everything was spot on with he that He really took the show. Yes. I thought the Beast was very good too. Beast the was Beast, excellent. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't know that that's as good of a part. No. Even though it's the title role. Right. Um, but he has some really good songs. Well, and there's some subtlety in the Beast. Yes. That you know, Lumiere is over the top the whole time. So you just have to stay up and go. And Beast, he has to show like angst and inner turmoil. Yes. Which Lumiere, there's nothing inner. He's uh, everything is right out front <laughs> yes. all the time. <laughs> you know all that. So, so yeah, I get what you mean. It's not as fun of a part. It's way more. Yeah. Um, difficult to play. Well, and you never see his face. Right. You know, so you can't see the expression and Mm -hmm. things like that. 
So you have to show expression in your body yes, and so in your he voice. Yeah, so he punched and He was tense. good, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did that mm-hmm. well. We're talking high school kids. Yeah. And his voice. Yeah, he had a great once voice. Once he started singing, I was blown away. Uh-huh. I'm telling you, 30 years in the business, 35 almost, it takes a lot to blow me away. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I know I say that a lot on the podcast, but it's usually because we're pretty picky about what we go to see so Mm -hmm. we see some good stuff yeah we tend to so i know i say that a lot on the podcast but it takes a lot for a high school kid to blow me away Mm -hmm. because i've heard a lot of high school voices over the years Mm -hmm. this kid was good very good he was very good he had a great voice bell had a great voice as well Mm -hmm. her speaking voice was exactly like the disney princess one i mean if you shut your eyes you were in the theater or in front of your television because Her speaking it voice was exactly, was exactly. The same. <laughs> even some of her singing parts mm-hmm. were as well, and there were yeah several know, of Mrs. those. Mrs. Potts, yeah, Mrs. Potts was good. It was very good. She had the one solo. She yep. gets the one solo, but mm-hmm. she did a really nice job. Mm-hmm. And that's a fairly low song. Mm-hmm. That's Beauty and the Beast that she sings. Cogsworth was great. He was very fussy and fidgety, like the character's supposed to be. He played that really well. He every time he had to run and of course this you know this kid is inside basically a box a costume and so only the only thing that can move is like his shins down and so right. he does all these little you know tap, 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 tap. like he would have to run really really fast but he'd have to like do it in teeny tiny steps because right. if he tried to do it any different he was gonna fall on his face because there's no way he could have gotten his hands out in front of him because they were pinned to the side by the costume so so there's a couple things that were kind of amazing his cost being in that costume yes being in the dresser mm-hmm. there was one that yes. was in a dresser the vanity thing yes mm-hmm. oh my word let she, me see what's in my drawers and she actually opens up her drawer and pulls out a full-size dress out of her costume i mean she's carrying that uh-huh. thing around it had to be heavy and then the third thing was lumiere holding his arms up yes. the whole time. oh my, my word is a candlestick I bet he's got awesome, like, shoulder and back muscles and arm muscles from doing We're that We're talking for two and a half hours, and he's in, after the first maybe 20 mm-hmm. minutes, he's in almost every scene. Yeah, because they're at the castle the good majority of the time. Mm-hmm. And he's holding up the arms. And at the beginning, he's holding up, like, half of a candlestick. And then he comes out about a third of the way, and they're they're down a little bit mm-hmm. because... You know, they're trying to show the passage of time. Mm -hmm. And by the end, he's just got a little bit of wax. But you've got to imagine that holding those up was hard. And he would have had to have started doing that in the practices. But then putting on the costume the last couple weeks was probably heavy. It's got to be a completely new experience. And he probably thought, oh, I'm ready. And then to put all that extra weight on. That was amazing. Mm -hmm. Yes. And LeFou could not have played any other character. He was so born to play that part. He, his physical comedy, he got knocked over like constantly. He would actually like bob his head whenever he landed to make it look like his head hit, even though it didn't. I mean, he, he had crazy spiky hair. His voice was squeaky, just like the one in the movie. He was at the perfect age to play this. And he did an amazing job. And he's in every scene that Gaston's in. All of the character roles were like perfectly cast. I thought. Yeah, they were really good. Yes. Oh, we should mention Chip. I mean, he wasn't obviously a high school student. He was probably Younger. an upper elementary or maybe, maybe a junior higher. Mm-hmm. But he did a great job yeah, in his he was scenes. Good. I was fascinated with Chip <laughs> because they kept rolling him out on a cart and you couldn't see the bottom of his body. And yeah. I kept thinking it has to be like some sort of screen in front. But then how could you see the cart? Right. It was weird. Yeah. And and the little boy that we brought with us was sitting next to me and every time that cart came out he and i were like <gasps> where's his like, body staring at Did they it take you know, off his head <laughs> trying to figure out where this i couldn't figure out like do they have him in back of the cart? i think they but did then, but they turned it once i know but i wonder if like he was on a swivel and so whatever they had him on the platform swiveled behind it as his head turned Maybe the rest of it turned behind him. Possibly. Because either that or he's just like hanging in a bag off the back. <laughs> I just thought maybe it was a screen on the front that looked like But you cart. could actually see but you all the see way through. three dimensional. I know. It was crazy. It was nuts. It was awesome. I just was staring at that the whole time. <laughs> and we you saw, know. the girls and I saw Beauty and the Beast four, five, six years ago, the last time they did it at mm-hmm. that high school. Mm-hmm. And the girls were little. And of course, this year, I both have lives and neither one of my girls came oh my with gosh. me. I only had a son with me. We're so. giving him a hard time because mm-hmm. we had tickets for both of them. And both of them found other things that they yes. wanted to do. They both left mommy in the lurch. So <laughs> <laughs> I think you better get used to it. Uh, yeah, they're going to have more and more lives than I do. <laughs> it was a fun night. 
We also went and saw a movie. Yes, we, we had did. a busy week we last did. week. <laughs> you know, here's the deal. We prepared the week before for a show, mm-hmm. and it was our first show. And we worked hard. We worked really hard getting ready for the show. Long full days to have full amounts of inventory to take to the show, and so we were... We had fun last week because we had earned it. Yeah. And so last week we were like, I'm just tired of painting. Mm-hmm. I need some time off of paint, which is great because yeah. we're self-employed, so mm-hmm. we can do that. Yep. You had been wanting to see the movie Hidden Figures. Mm-hmm. We had an afternoon where we said, hey, we've it's got empty. time. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Let's go see this. Not typically the type of movie that we review Mm-mm. because... It's more mainstream. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's more mainstream and everybody's going to see it. Right. And usually we like to pick out the obscure sort of indie films that nobody has seen or nobody's Mm -hmm. going to see (laughs) just so that people can say hey i heard about this film you know maybe i should rent it right maybe i should look it up on netflix Mm -hmm. a little bit different than what we usually Mm -hmm. review stereotypical movie that i like i like things that are based on a true story oh i do too that are dramatized historical yeah i like that and this if you don't know the story of hidden figures it is the story of women in the NASA program. Not just women, black women. Black women. In the NASA program this in the 60s, true. early 60s. It overlapped two different movies. It overlapped what we had recently seen in... Loving. It overlapped Loving, and then it also overlapped Apollo 13, yes. which happens to be... One of our favorites. Really enjoyed that movie. Yeah. Some of it overlapped that in the space program. Right. You're like, we're... We were several years before that, but yes. you're hearing some of the same names that are mentioned in Apollo 13, and because Apollo 13 is like eight years after this movie. Right, exactly. So you're seeing, you're hearing some of the same names in some of the engineers' names and whatever, and the astronauts' names. You're hearing things that are going to happen in between those two. It overlaps loving in that we're seeing prejudice. Once again, we're in Virginia. Because this is taking place at Langley, and they they even say, we see a judge in one of the scenes say, it doesn't matter what the federal government tells us, we are still a segregated state. We don't care that they've desegregated everybody else. We are the law here. And so... Because one of the characters wants to take some night classes at a white school. Well, she wants to take classes, and then he tells her, you can only take them at night. So she just, it's an all-white school, and she's... She wants to be an engineer, and she's right. a black woman, and that's just unheard of at that time. So it's the story of these, basically, they follow these three women. Yep. One who is in the engineering department, like I said. One who is basically running what they call the computers. That's what they called these women at It kind of took me a minute to fin- figure out what they were talking about. They call about. these women computers because they do all of the calculations. They compute numbers. They yeah. do all of the mathematics, but they do most of it by hand they don't there's no computers and stuff back then right. they had calculators to help but we're talking like co, co cosine and and analytical geometry and all these are the, the things that these women use to make these calculations for the space program right and so one of the women was basically running all of these 30 women or whatever the computers she was trying to get named as the supervisor because she was already doing all the work yep. of the supervisor and then the third woman the third woman is one of the computers they come down because they've got a new mission that they're working on and they need a computer mm-hmm. so they come down and this is somebody who has to handle analytical geometry we need everybody that can do this fast and quick and she's like oh Catherine's your girl and so she mm-hmm. sends that girl over and so they're on the west side of campus this is where the colored area is Mm -hmm. so this girl's moving on up to the east side because she's going to the east side of of the campus Mm -hmm. all men all men engineers that she's working with or or computers and she's got several problems for one they uh don't like the fact that she uses their coffee maker and so they put a coffee pot over and label it colored yep and then we see her just go to the bathroom Mm-hmm. And we see her wandering all over East Side, and she can't find a bathroom because they're all white bathrooms. Right. So it takes her twenty minutes to go to, to go the restroom all the way back over, and then all the way back, and she's gone for like forty forty five minutes. And she and goes to the bathroom, back all drenched when it's raining. Yep. And so, and they're <sighs> they're not even noticing. They don't they don't understand. And so later on in the movie, the 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 big supervisor gets up. He's like, "Where do you go?" For 45 minutes at a time. And she's finally had enough of all these mm-hmm. men, you know. And so she lets him have it. She goes, there's no bathroom for me here. And so I have to walk a half a mile to the west side campus to go to the bathroom because I can't do it here. And she just and screeches he- at all of these men about, 
you know, the coffee pot and you don't understand and nobody's given me the time of day. And so yeah. this guy's played by Kevin Costner. Yeah. Oh my word. He did it a great good job. good to see Kevin Costner again. <laughs> he was really good in this. Mm -hmm. When she mentions that, he's like, wait a minute. It was almost like he didn't know all this stuff was going what on. A, they're clueless. They're sitting there. Again, we're, we've got white males who have never had to go through the persecution that this woman's had to go through. Right. They can go to the bathroom wherever the heck they want. Right. And they can shove anybody out that they want if they don't like the way they look. Right. It never even occurred to him that she wasn't going right down the hallway to the ladies' bathroom that's right there. Right. It's a white ladies' bathroom. Right. So We won't say how he takes care it. of the problem, but he does he take does. care of the and problem. It's, <laughs> and it's awesome. It's great. <laughs> it's a great Kevin Costner yeah. scene. Two scenes, really, because yeah. the coffee pot in the bathroom. He was really good in uh -huh. this movie. And he sees in her something that he doesn't see in all those other men that have been working for him forever. Because he tells her, you got to look past the math, because this is math we've never even come up with yet. Right. And so then she comes up with the math and they're mm -hmm. like, how did you do this? And so then she explains herself and yeah, it's just really, a really, amazing. really cool, you know, and they show the women in their, in their hometown and what they're going through personally too. Right. And this is a widow and she's got three little girls mm -hmm. and they, obviously she's working not just full time, but well over time. She doesn't mm -hmm. get back until bedtime yeah. a lot of the time. And, so, and I said in the middle of the movie, she's lucky she has her mom. Yes. Because otherwise, what do you do yeah. back then? There wasn't daycare. No. Were, you know, you'd have to hire a nanny, mm -hmm. really. Yep. I don't know what else you would do. Right. But yeah. yeah, the kids stayed with her mom, but she was always getting home like mm -hmm. a, in enough time to tuck them into bed. Right. That was about it. That's mm -hmm. all she saw her kids. Yep. And I think the thing that struck me again and with that as well as loving is that this is not that long ago in mm -hmm. our history. It was two and years just, before oh, you were born. Geez. I hope that things have changed. It just was not that long ago. No. You know, no. and it's amazing to me that you could treat people that way. Yeah. Another thing that we see in this is the very first IBM being set computer. up at NASA. Yes. And it takes an entire room for this one computer. And so these men are all setting it up. And they're trying to figure it out. And they cannot get this This thing is figured NASA. Out. Yeah, this is NASA. I mean, NASA. they have... All the brains in the country there. <laughs> and they have the funding to do everything the way they want. To bring somebody there mm -hmm. that knows how to run it. And I mean, they just, yeah, they could nobody not. knew what they were doing. So one of, so the lady that we're talking about who wanted the supervisor job, her name was Dorothy. Yes. So she goes to the library and gets a book on how to program, how to code, basically, back in the day, how to Before program Before they it. even got the computer set up. She had heard she, it was coming. And yes. she knew that if they had a computer doing the computations, her girls were going to be out of a job because they right. were computers. So she starts learning how to do all this. And then she starts teaching all of the girls that are in her department because she's like, they're going to need people to run it. So this woman is thinking Brilliant. ahead. And so she wanders in once they get everything set up. The men still have not figured out how to get this thing running. So she goes in there and starts opening the backs and looking at how they've got things set. Oh, well, this is in the wrong place. She's moving stuff around. And she finally puts in cards and she's getting numbers. She's kind and, of sneaking in almost. Well, like. but it, I mean, she's in a room that's got all windows. So finally, one of the guys comes in and they're like, what are you doing in here? You're not supposed to be in here. And another one goes, she's got numbers. We got numbers coming she's out. She's got correct numbers coming out. And how did you do that? Oh, well, my dad talk, taught me a little bit about mechanics or whatever. It's like, yeah, okay. You're talking about like way different stuff mm -hmm. than like working on a car mm -hmm. at the, you know, so she's, she's working to get those girls to keep their jobs or right. to get different jobs and to be able to run that IBM. Cause it's going to take a lot of people to run that. So yeah. she's thinking ahead and then we also, we already mentioned Mary, who wanted to take classes because she wanted to be an engineer. And it was interesting because she's working with a guy in NASA who is Russian. And she's like, I, I can't be an engineer. He's like, you know, he says it in his accent. He's like, um, I work in America. I'm a Russian, whatever. We're already living the dream. He's like, don't Jew. you? Yeah. He was a Russian Jew. Yes, that's right. He's like, if you, you know were a white male, wouldn't you want to be an engineer? She goes, I wouldn't have to because I'd already be one. That was great. <laughs> it was a great, great line. line. And he's like, so be one. So she goes and gets a court date and manages to get into those night classes. And so then it's at the be at the very end, you kind of see like what happened in their lives. But mm -hmm. the way they wove them together was just cool. It was, great. it was a great movie. Okay. So this is a movie that I would go see again. Oh, I would too. I would see that movie uh -huh. again because it was... It was, it was interesting. Yeah. It was engaging. Yep. I cannot believe two hours went by. I know. <laughs> it was 
it was really good. Yeah. And, I, you know, people know that it's really good because mm-hmm. a lot of people are going to right. see it. But but if you haven't had the chance to see it, definitely go. And I'm sure there's nuances that we miss because there's so much thrown at you. And so much of it is there's there's dialogue, but then there's there's pieces where you're just watching these women do their calculations and you're just watching their faces, mm-hmm. you know. And so there's just little nuances. I have to mention the other person that I really enjoyed. Not because I liked his character, but because he was so good at being oh, me. Yes, yes. Jim Parsons. Yes. In Big Bang Theory, you know, he's still a super genius nerd or whatever. But this was more... This is, he was he was unhappy that somebody was coming in. And he was very business-like, so yes. he had to be more reserved than he is yeah. on Big Bang Theory. Mm-hmm. And he was just, there was no respect there for this woman at the beginning. And by the end, she'd earned his respect. Yeah. And you could kind of see him begin to to shift ever so slightly and it took him a long time well and he was kind of the bridge between her and the kevin costner character i think he was the supervisor underneath the main yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so she had to turn him yeah otherwise she wasn't going anywhere Mm -mm. a lot of the movie was how is she going to win this guy's respect it was a good movie. It was an awesome movie. I really so. like it. I I've seen Apollo thirteen many oh, many 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 times of times, and I I watched this one over again. Uh-huh. It was good. This is one that I would buy, and I would watch it with my kids mm-hmm. because there was nothing out no, of place in it, not at all. And they can see what some of these I, people went through. I think it's rated PG. I think so. I don't think it's even PG thirteen. No, and that's nothing great in it. because mm-hmm. that's the type of movie they should be seeing. It's yep. historical. It's mm-hmm. got you know. Yep information about the space program it's got information about civil rights Mm -hmm. they never i thought that they were going to maybe deal with kennedy's death and Mm -hmm. how that slowed down the space program but i don't think they ever got to 1963 not in there they showed later like at the very end they were just telling about some things that happened in the later 60s but they didn't yeah we didn't actually because i think there was a great effect they did have actual footage of him giving a speech they had actual yes. footage of martin luther king jr giving a speech they had actual footage of several different rockets they had one blowing up so you got to see some real footage mixed in which mm-hmm. is i love that because they did that in apollo 13 they did that yep. in forrest gump i love it whenever they mix stuff like that in. yeah that's, that's great cool. so i would say go see hidden figures go see it take your family and enjoy so what do we have on the show today gilmore 789 season two they're a lot of fun. I yep. like this part of Gilmore. Yeah, we're, uh, this is a good, I don't know. For, Post-Max. Yeah, post-Max and Lorelai trying to figure stuff out and Can Rory's sp- dealing with Paris and with Dean and oh, with Jess and with Tristan. Please let me say, <laughs> some of the scenes that Paris has in these three oh, yeah. episodes, They're they gold. are gold. <laughs> they are gold. Uh, that girl, she is so talented. Uh-huh. And She's- deadpan. Because there's never any emotion other than contempt in any word she says. I mean, she is And just... the lines that she delivers, I uh-huh. mean, she has just got a bunch of lines in these three mm-hmm. episodes. So there's at least two episodes where she's got mm-hmm. she's got some really good scenes. And man, do I like Paris. Uh-huh. She's just spot on with her character. And I think she pulls different stuff out of Rory than we typically see Absolutely. in Stars Hollow. Absolutely. We see her actually like stand up for herself, whereas in Stars Hollow, everybody's behind her all the time. Right. There, she's by herself and she really has to find her own back. She has to dig deeper. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I hadn't yeah. thought about that. Yeah. But she really does. She brings, and I think she brings different things out in the actress. Yes. For Rory, I think Alexis so. Waddell. Mm-hmm. When those two have a scene together, oh, yeah, it's they... amazing, but it's different than the repartee that she has with her mom. Right. Which is always more sarcastic and And happy and happy and and then making fun of the same things because they're basically the same person right (laughs) in two bodies so with paris it's more antagonistic there's friction underneath there's a different energy in the scene lorelei and luke are starting to flirt with each other a little bit post max so Mm -hmm. well and suki's kind of fan in the flames yes she is so so these are three really good episodes so very fun if you haven't seen gilmore girls on netflix you have to get through all of season one and a little bit of season two to catch up with us but i'm telling you it is fun and it is worth it so today we're going to talk about episodes seven eight and nine yep on with sink our record there you go Today in Sync Our Rockers, we're going to talk about Season 2, Episodes 7, 8, and 9 of Gilmore Girls. 
episode seven is called like mother like daughter and there are a couple different ways that mothers are like daughters in this episode yes there are a couple of similarities that they hit in each one of the relationships so the first way is kind of set up early in the show when the guidance counselor approaches rory at the lunch table yes we find out that Rory has not been socializing enough, at least according to the counselor. She's so, concerned because she's yeah. reading Alona. and also mm-hmm. listening to CDs. Yeah, so she's very unapproachable. So she wants to have her come to her office to discuss this. Mm-hmm. So once they get to the office, best lines <laughs> mm-hmm. there. Yeah, she says, you're, you're, you're kind of unapproachable. And Rory says, well, you approach me. <laughs> she's like, yeah, and you jumped out of your skin. What does that mean? And Rory goes... It means I'm jumpy. <laughs> like, <laughs> duh. <laughs> so, anyway, so she wants her to mix with other kids, find a club, find something to do that's not just schoolwork. And then Rory's telling her mom about yes. this situation. And the greatest thing is in the background, Kirk is fixing Lorelai's car in yeah. the driveway. Rory tells Lorelai about the counselor and what the lady had to say. Mm-hmm. And earlier in the show, Lorelai had been making fun of Rory's backpack and how heavy it was. <laughs> And Rory says to her mom, after she tells her about the counselor, well, you were making fun of my backpack. I'm just one step away from carrying a duffel bag, like a serial killer or a bomber or something. So Lorelai does not like this situation. She thinks Rory's just fine the way she is. She sees her interacting with people at home. She knows that she has friends. And so she takes right off and goes to see the headmaster at Chilton. He yanks out her folder and finds out that she has not been participating either. So her parent involvement is then mirrored in Rory's non-involvement. So they've set up this whole thing. They both get in trouble for for mother and daughter Mm -hmm. to be called out on their lack of participation at school. Lorelai says, you know what, we'll go along with it because you got to get into Harvard. And so Rory's like, fine. So she goes to sit at a different table. She tries to like force herself to sit with some new people. Mm -hmm. And she just plops down. Is this seat taken? Yeah. Just at a random table. And we're chatting. Yeah, she's chatting. And then Paris walks by, kind of does a double take and backs up like, what the heck is she doing? And we find out that she's just randomly picked the table where the puffs are sitting. And the puffs are like this super secret society that Paris is dying to be in. She's been trying for a year. And she's like, how did you do that? Please don't tell them that you hate me. Like, it's, it's imperative that I get into this group. Her career hinges on just about every decision she makes. Yes. So um, she wants Rory to help her get in and not to blackball her right off the bat. Deadpan serious <laughs> through this whole thing about these puffs. And it's just... Oh Sandra Day O'Connor was a puff, you know, and things like that. Oh she lists word. all the people that were puffs. And Rory's like, really? Like, she has no clue because she's just a newbie at Chilton still. Yeah, she just she doesn't have know. the... Because her mother didn't finish school, she doesn't have this history built up, and her mother fled from this, so she has no clue. She just picked a table that had girls at it and sat down. It's just so very Rory versus Paris. So. Right. Mm-hmm. They cut to Friday night dinner, mm-hmm. and there's a new maid, and she tells them to go to the patio that they're going to barbecue. Yeah. Which is very strange because the more still part of But there they are. There they Somebody's are. outside running mm-hmm. the barbecue, and... Emily, of course, has already heard about the meeting with the headmaster. She's going to get more involved by yeah. joining the booster group. Luckily, when she goes to the meeting, they're looking for a caterer. Well, for... they're looking for, and she, these are like the most normal Chilton people we've seen. True. You know, like these moms are not like as over the top. Like they're trying to do a fundraiser. Lorelai's like, well, what are you looking to do? And she finds out that Suki and she could handle what they're looking for at the Independence Inn. And so they're like, I'm sorry, did you say you were from heaven? <laughs> you right. know? So they love her immediately, which that helps. Whenever yeah. you're in a committee where there's people who are nice and not clicky, mm-hmm. it's nice. So she finds out that they could have this at the Independence Inn. Mm-hmm. So they're doing a fashion show. Right. And that all the moms are going to be the models. So she, she wasn't too happy when she found no. that out. But she calls her mother and says, guess what? You're a model too. Right. <laughs> so she's like, if, if I'm going down, I'm taking my mother down with me. That's right. That's so, right. Which brings us to like the second like mother like daughter thing. Right. Doing so. the fashion show mm-hmm. together. They go back to Chilton. Mm-hmm. This time mm-hmm. at lunch, Rory doesn't have to look around because she's invited to sit at the puffs table. Yes. Paris shows up. Well, she's reading in the background, like one. And she's just kind of walking slowly, uh-huh. and then she sort of like leans against the wall and keeps reading her book. Uh-huh. <laughs> and she's listening to everything that goes yeah. on. 
Pansy says is she a friend of yours? And she's like, oh, yeah, she's very smart and funny. <laughs> and nobody in her real life right. thinks she's funny. We think she's funny because she's so over the top. She's... Paris actually gets invited to the table then. Because Rory kind of um, lets it be known that she's looking to join a different group. That's right. She sort of puts a bug in Francie's ear. Yeah, and Francie's kind of like, what? Uh, no, nobody's going to get her. You know, she all of a sudden she gets competitive and she decides to invite Paris to join them. So she turns around, yeah. invites Paris, and Paris is thrilled. And yes. she actually, like a real smile, yes. smiles at Rory. Yeah. Because Rory got her in. Then we're heading to the Independence Inn for the big booster fashion show party thing. And Lorelai's getting everything ready. And she and Alyssa McCarthy have a couple of great scenes where they talk back and forth and they're planning stuff. And it's just classic Lorelai Suki. Great. And then Luke comes in to help with the runway. And you see kind of, again, chemistry between Lorelai and Luke, which they're beginning to build up again now that Max is out of the picture. And then one of the moms shows up and notices Luke. Now, is this uh, the Seinfeld lady? I think so. Is this the lady from Third Rock? Also the Bally High lady from Third Rock. Yes. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. She's, I think, the the lady who wears her bra as a top on Seinfeld. (laughs) I don't remember that one. Yeah. I remember some of them. I don't remember that one. She's interested in Luke and... So she asks Lorelai, you know, what kind of women does he like? And she's like, I don't know, the ones with heads? <laughs> so and Lorelai and Emily find out that they are the mother-daughter entry in the fashion show. So they're going to be dressed, not exactly alike, but definitely coordinated. They're both in very tailored red dresses or red suits or whatever. <laughs> it looked very like an Emily style. It was very presidential, and yes. not Lorelai at all. <laughs> yes. And so they come down. The girls are coming down to Cindy Lauper. Yeah. Saying girls just want to have mm-hmm. fun. Emily is having a great oh time. Oh my gosh. She is like on the runway ready. She's like smiling and turning and flinging her hair. And She just thought that was the best yeah. thing ever. And she finally gets Lorelai yeah. into it. Yeah. And so they, she finally flaunts a little bit as they walk back up. It's just kind of funny. Yeah. It's it's a great Lorelai Emily scene because uh-huh. they have their issues. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's fun to see them just kind of let their hair down and have a good time. Yeah. And the ladies are like, this is the best event we've ever had. We're so glad that you've come to join us. Emily's very proud of Lorelai when she mm-hmm. hears all that. She right. kind of overhears it. She gives her backhanded compliments. <sighs> sort of. Yeah. How nicely you seem to be fitting into the world that you ran away from. Congratulations. You know, like it's, it's a dig and a compliment all at once, I think. Yeah, like Emily's really happy to see it, but she can't like not no. say something yes. about it, you mm-hmm. know, and it does always seem to come out like a dig. Yeah. Lorelai thought it was a success because Michelle only made three people. <laughs> so, and then she's showing Rory the pictures and she's like, you look like Nancy Reagan. That's <laughs> great. She did. <laughs> yes, she did. She looked just like Nancy Reagan. Mm-hmm. Then there's this whole thing about the puffs mm-hmm. and there's this sort of initiation going on that Rory does not know about, but Lorelai knows about. She heard about it from one of the moms who was a mom of a puff. And so yeah. she tells Rory to get her makeup on and go to bed. She was going to get kidnapped. That's all she knew basically mm-hmm. was if you're going to get kidnapped, you should look good. Yeah, because yeah. in case there's pictures involved right. or whatever. So Rory's got all her makeup she on. She looks gorgeous. Her hair's perfect, and she's in bed. And, of course, yeah. they do come to get her, yeah. and Paris is well, there, too. She acts surprised, and Paris looks awful. She's got, like, her hair's, like, up in weird ponytails, and she's got, like, acne cream all over her face or something. <laughs> she says to Rory, is that really how you look when you go to bed? And Rory's like, uh-huh, and she's like, Nothing in my life is fair. And they head to Chilton. Their whole initiation thing, though, is that they're going to sneak into the headmaster's office and do this little ceremony. And Rory starts to freak out when she finds out what they're going to do. But Paris doesn't want her to not do it. Right. So they're trying to get these girls to do a ceremony of them taking a pledge. Headmaster walks in right as Rory's doing what she's supposed to do. It's the middle of the night. Where else would the headmaster be? Yeah, exactly. And Rory just mumbles, oh, this is okay. She's the one that gets caught. She didn't even want to be, she didn't want to even want to bother with all this stuff. Right. You know? Well, so, and he kind of calls her on it. He's like, what did you just say? And yeah. she's like, this is unbelievable. The yeah. only reason I'm even here yeah. is because you told me that I needed to interact with groups more. Mm-hmm. So here I am interacting with a group and I didn't know it was going to happen. Yeah. It's just this long. Yeah. She gets up and actually like speech. stands up for him and, or stands up to him. And she's like, your guidance counselor told me that I had to befriend people. So I did. And the next thing I know, I'm being kidnapped out of my bed and brought here to do a ceremony that I don't even really care about doing. And yeah, she, she lets him care. have it. And he's like, maybe we were a little 
hasty in judging your socialization or whatever. Then Lorelai comes up, and of course, when Rory tells her what she got in trouble for <laughs> and why she got called in the middle of the night, because this is 30 miles away yeah. from where Lorelai lives, mm-hmm. when she tells her what she got caught for, Lorelai <laughs> says, well, were you at least smoking a Cuban cigar when you did it? <laughs> she must have done way, way worse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we know what she did, but oh my gosh. And then we cut again to the diner. Luke and Lorelai talking, and she's trying to figure out whether he's actually going to date this Ava woman. He's fussing at her like, you can't tell me what to do. She's like, I'm not telling you who to date. I'm telling you who not to date. Luke is like, whatever, you've got nerve. and Fine, go ahead. Make her Mrs. Backward Baseball Cat. Yeah. <laughs> He smiles when she leaves because he can tell that she's jealous. Rory goes back to sitting alone with her books and CDs. Another girl comes over and sits down and does the same thing. On to episode eight. Episode eight is called The Ins and Outs of Ins. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Try to say that three times fast. Ins and Outs of Ins. Yeah, I can't even do it. (laughs) Friday night dinner. Just the girls. Just the girls. Richard's out of town. Mm -hmm. And Emily brings up the fact that she wants a portrait. Of Rory. And of course, Lorelai immediately jumps in and says, You don't have to do this kid. And again, Rory being the sweet kid, she, Oh, that's fine. I'll do it. And yeah. Lorelai's just always left scratching her head over the stuff that this kid will agree she's to do. She's trying to get Rory out of all this yeah. stuff. And Rory just always agrees <laughs> to do it. She's such a sweetheart that she's just, Yeah, just do it. So Jess reappears. Mm-hmm. He's serving at Luke's. Mm-hmm. He's, he's been working there pretty much since he came. Mm-hmm. This time he's got an attitude, which is nothing typical. Yeah. Nothing new, really. This time. And Lorelai is talking about the time to start the end. Mm-hmm. And she's it, talking to Luke about the dragonfly, which they call the Rachel property. She's like, I guess I'll have to come up with another title for it since he's no longer with Rachel. And then we, uh, they jump to the kitchen and she and Suki are finding out that Fran, who owns, who runs the bakery, is the one that owns the dragonfly. Yeah, they're trying to and find so, out who owns it so yeah. they can buy it. And they're thinking, wonderful, we know little Fran. Well, she'll she'll sell it to us, no problem, you know. So She's they, not using it. Yeah. It's all run down. Yeah. So they go to the bakery to talk to Fran, but she doesn't want to sell it to them. She wants to own it forever. It's part of the family. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like trying to find out what would happen if she died. Uh, you but know. they never say the word no. die. They're like, what would happen if you went away for a while? Went away for a while. And she's like, well, I'm not going to do that. Well, what would happen if you went away for a really long time and Uh, never came back? Yeah, on a really long vacation. (laughs) Suki's trying to like, I probably wouldn't do that. Yeah, I probably wouldn't go away for that long, girls. And they're just like, oh, Oh, it's great. (laughs) It was they're trying to get her to like... Cop up, what's going to happen if you kick it, ladies? Oh, so totally they're feeling head. like they're not going to get this property. So Rory and Lane, uh, you know, we jump back to Stars Hollow, and Rory and Lane are walking down the street, and they see Taylor outside his store, and he's throwing a fit. And Taylor's always throwing a fit. I'm sorry, but this is really funny. <laughs> they come over, and they pan close, and you can see that there's an outline of a dead body on the ground, but no body in front of his store. Rory's kind of looking around at everything, and she notices Jess across the street kind of smiling. Well, this so. is what Taylor's throwing the fit about, because if there's been a crime scene, they've got crime scene tape yes. up, everything's taped off, nobody can cross it, right. and it's right in front of his store, yes. so that... And Rory kind of sees him off, you know, in the in the distance, and she thinks he's done it, but she doesn't say anything yet. Smiles. Oh, yeah. He has a little, a little smirk, smirk, like he's off reading a book, and he mm-hmm. looks up and smirks a little bit, so we're pretty sure that it was... It was Jess that did it. And then we buzz back to the kitchen. Suki and Lorelai are still talking about what's happening when Fran's <laughs> going to die. And then Michelle comes in and says that Mia is here. And we've heard the name Mia once or twice. And we actually finally get to meet her. And she's the one who ran the Independence Inn when Lorelai came at the very beginning with baby Rory. And now owns it. But she's the one that hired Lorelai way back when to be a maid. So they're very excited to yes. see her because she was like a second mom. Uh-huh. She, she was there for the baby and everything. And yeah. and it's funny because she can't understand a word Michelle says. It's hysterical. She's like, I'm sorry, I didn't catch any of that. And so then Rory will say something that rhymes that is completely opposite of what he said. And she's trying to get him into trouble. And he's like, I did not, you know? And she's yeah. like, yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't get that. You know, it's so funny. They just keep messing with Michelle. It's awesome. And it's Rory. I mean, she's like jumping. Deadpan. And yes, it was deadpan and quick. Very much like her mother in the, mm-hmm. the, these scenes. She's very much pulling a Lorelai here. Yeah. And so Mia, she has, she knows all this stuff about she's people. She's visiting Stars Hollow and she knows everybody uh-huh. and they end up at the diner. Yep. They're talking about Luke when he was a little boy and Luke's kind of embarrassed, but then she gives it up that he had a Star Trek shirt. Oh, and Lorelai's like, oh, Lorelai oh, and Rory both. Yeah. 
you will never live that down. We're going to tell everybody. Right, they love that. <laughs> Taylor comes in to find out who's in charge of the fake murder. Found out that Jess was, you know, witnessed doing some things that could have been involved. And of course, he and Luke start yelling back and forth. And, you know, Taylor's final thing is, well, are you going to act? And he's like, yes, I'm going to act like you never came in here. And it's like, <laughs> nice there one, you go. <laughs> And Mia's sitting there reminiscing with Lorelai and Rory about how it was almost 15 years to the day since she showed up on the doorstep at the end for the job. And then the girls are complaining because she never comes to visit. Mia's going through this whole thing where she's, I'd be lost without you, Lorelai. Mm -hmm. And Lorelai in the back of her mind is thinking, I really got to quit so I can start my own in, yeah. you know? So she's feeling a little bit guilty about it. And Mia's nicely reminiscing. Yes. She doesn't know that. All she has no idea that she's like and pouring salt in the open wound there. <laughs> she has no clue. They have another scene then where Mia and Michelle kind of come through and she's talking back and forth with Michelle. So she actually understands. Yeah, finally she gets him. <laughs> yeah, yes. And so then we, we jump back to like Lorelai gets a phone call. It's Emily and she's like, Rory won't hold the pose for the painting. So right. Lorelai's like, well, do you have one or both of her arms above her head? And she's like, how did you know that? that like, and she's like, mom, just have her reading a book. That's what Rory does. Dad will love it. It'll it'll be so very much Rory. That's what you want is you want it to be real for dad. And so Emily's like, well, I guess that could work. She's like, cancel the swans. And she's like, you have swans? And Rory's there with her arm up over her head. <laughs> yeah. And she puts it down and grabs a book. Uh-huh. And then they have a town meeting. My favorite. Yes. Paula's all, she gets all geek. I love the town yeah. meetings. She runs into Luke on the way and they get there right on time and the meeting's already started and they're confused because that's right. You're like, this meeting is supposed to start at eight. He's like, it's, it's 750 something or something. I think they he says. Sneak. And so the whole like, town sneaked in to uh -huh. talk about Jess. Yes. They're trying to figure out what to do about this whole Jess situation. And so then again, Luke goes nuts and he defends him. Yep. And Lorelai defends Luke because he's Luke. He's Luke and he's trying to do his best with Jess. So this doesn't end well. It's a very loud, yelly town meeting. So not nearly the um, fun one that we were expecting or hoping for. Lorelai does finally talk to Mia about yeah. opening the end then. Mm -hmm. And the, the good thing is that Mia was very supportive about mm -hmm. it and she she started thinking hmm well maybe it's time for me to sell the independence in i don't know if she meant to her well she said that she's had offers in the past but she could never sell it out from another lorelei but if but she's going to go I off thought, on her own i thought there was a point where lorelei said i could never afford this place yeah i think it was above her budget because it's a much bigger in than the one she and suki are looking to start i think but lorelei when she realizes that Mia's going to possibly sell the independence in, all of a sudden it hits her. That means I got to actually do what I've been dreaming about. Right. And she begins to freak out. And then Lorelai says, Arin is on hold. And Suki's like, what are you talking about? Why are you giving up? And they end up having a very terrible fight. Lorelai's freaking out. She takes it out on Suki. Suki's completely confused. And, you know, she fights back because she's kind of being ramrodded here. And Lorelai accuses Suki of being late, and Suki says, now you're talking down to me. And so yeah, it, it was not good. It was not good. You're sitting there. If you've got a best friend, you're sitting there going, oh, I don't like this. I don't like this at all because you don't like to have a rift right. like that in a friendship. We don't. We didn't like it. Then we have Dean and Rory outside of Darcy's Market. Mm -hmm. And Dean's going in to get his check, and Rory's outside waiting for him. And guess who shows up? Jess. She basically calls him on doing the dead body thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry, I think it's funny. <laughs> so she lets him have it because, yeah, she thought what he did was kind of funny, but she doesn't like the fact that the whole town is against Luke because she loves Luke. She's Luke has been there for her and for her mother the whole time. And so she really rips into him and says, it's not funny. What you're doing is not funny. And he then he's, you know, he's like, well, did you think it was funny? She's like, that's not the point, you know? So, yeah, she thought it was funny, but... She doesn't think the reaction to Luke is funny and she wants him to fix it. And then, and then Dean comes out, of course, mm -hmm. right as she's talking to him and she introduces awkwardly him. introduces mm -hmm. him to Jess, which I didn't really realize that they hadn't met yet. Mm -hmm. Finally, Lorelai and Suki do make up, though, mm -hmm. later on. And Lorelai kind of swallows her pride and apologizes to Suki. Well, it's just she's like, I freaked out. You know, she yeah. admits like, I just we actually have to do it now. And I don't know if we can do it. And Suki's like, no, we can do it. And so they decide to go ahead with the dream and with the inn. And so they they get everything all situated again. And it was another really uncomfortable scene. Yes, at the very end. 
Emily goes to see Mia, which means she drove all the way from Hartford to Stars Hollow to see Mia, and she'd always wanted to meet her because she knew that's where Lorelai ran when she left home. She says something about, well, Mia, what would you have done if it was your daughter? Because Emily's kind of, when they're talking, she's very abrupt, and I think Mia's a little bit, not put off, but a little bit confused. If it was your daughter, what would you have done? And Mia's like, well, I would have hoped she would have found somebody to help her. And Emily gets all sarcastic and cold and said, well, I would have hoped for her to find somebody who would have sent her home. And she just really kind of digs it in. And she starts to turn away. And then she's like, do you have any pictures from that era? And Mia's like, I'll send you a whole box. So Mia's just a sweet, sweet lady. And instead of being thankful that they found somebody sweet, Emily immediately goes to her own selfishness. They always save Emily because Emily could have just slammed the door and walked out. But she turns and asks, there's a crack in the armor. Uh, Yeah. You know? Well, the thing is, if there wasn't a crack, you'd hate her every yeah. single episode. So it's yeah. brilliant writing, yes. really, because you love her and you hate her at the same time. Mm-hmm. It goes both ways. Yeah, well, Kelly Bishop is and Kelly phenomenal. Bishop, yeah, she's amazing. Mm-hmm. So we're loving to hate Emily, right? Sad mm-hmm. that she missed all those years, but the good part was that she let her pride it. down a little bit and asked me if mm-hmm. she had any pictures. Mm-hmm. Rory and Lorelai are at Luke's mm-hmm. at the very end, and Jess is helping. And Luke walks over and says, who fixed the toaster? Why is the toaster fixed? And Jess just kind of keeps doing what he's doing. And Luke's, did you fix the toaster? <laughs> so Jess is kind of trying to make up for some of the stuff that he's done by maybe helping out a little bit more. Because they showed Luke earlier trying to fix it, and he was making he it worse. He could do it, it yeah. So he's trying in his own little way to not be quite the poop that he's been up to that point. Yeah, so. and he walks out the door and gives a nod to Rory. As mm-hmm. so. On to episode nine. Before we go on to episode nine, I have an apology to make. <laughs> I really messed up the sound on the last two episodes and we're headed out on spring break and we don't have time to fix it. Yeah, we record. So, so I tried to make it as good as I could in the editing, but this one hopefully will sound a lot better. But yeah, I forgot to switch this one thing that I was supposed to switch. <laughs> So, I'm still learning. We're still people. learning, and sometimes we're tired, and we're we have two different businesses, and so yeah. And sometimes this one gets the short end of the stick. I'll try so. to be more careful, but yeah, I just wanted to mention it yeah. so people weren't like, "Your sound really got bad all of a sudden." <laughs> yeah, I we realized know. that once I started editing, it yeah. was a mess. On to episode nine, though. Run away, little boy. Mm-hmm. Is, is the an name of it? Odd title, and I still haven't figured out. Well, why there's it's a couple different it. possibilities yeah. we'll talk about as we go on. But mm-hmm. the funny thing at the beginning is that a wedding present shows up for Lorelai and Max, who yes. obviously are not getting married. Yes, and it's been several months, and so whoever sent it obviously did not hear that they didn't get married. So there's no tag. There's nothing. And Rory and Suki are trying to get her to like keep it because it's a really cool Italian ice cream maker. I would have kept it. Yeah. If there's no tag, yeah. are you kidding me? I Absolutely. Kept it. So anyway, so she's uh, she's not happy that it's come, and her idea of closure is to find out who sent it and send it back, and, and that's like the it. last thing she needs to do to get rid of the Max feelings or Saga. whatever. Mm-hmm. And then there comes an assignment that again Rory and Paris have to do together. They always get put in the same group. Yep. To our pleasure. Oh, yes. We love it. We know I it's not accidental. It. <laughs> when they're getting put in the same group, I'm happy as a clam. Yep. Because we know there's going to be some good dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. But... So they have to work on Act 5 of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Right. So, which is the dying scene and the kissing scene and all that good stuff. During this whole setup, when they're setting up the Shakespeare thing, Rory also runs into Henry at school. Do you mm-hmm. remember Henry? Mm-hmm. Yes. He was, I know you remember because you have like this Cracker Jack memory. <laughs> so bring us up to speed on Henry. Uh, Henry, uh, we met at a dance several episodes ago. Party, basically. And he basically files for Lane. And she's like, I can't fall for him. He's perfect. My parents would love him, you know, and... They're still trying to... He's a nice Korean boy. Yeah, nice Korean boy who's going to be a doctor, which is what her parents want. Lane knows her parents would love him, but she doesn't want to tell her parents about him because as soon as they'd love him, she's like, then he would become repulsive to me because my parents love him. So she's trying to keep him quiet. So they still haven't made contact. And so I guess he tried to call her once and her mother answered. And so he tried to sell her like an encyclopedia or something. And the mom wasn't fooled. And so he's trying to get Rory to help him talk to Lane. And kind of in the next scene then, 
Rory's making a phone call to Lane, mm -hmm. and Mrs. Kim is like, Rory can't even be calling because yes. she wants her doing her homework and right. helping in the store, mm -hmm. and Lane is like sequestered yes. when she's at home. Mm -hmm. So Rory calls because she knows that Mrs. Kim will probably let Lane talk to her for a few For minutes. a little bit. Yeah. Rory calls, gets Lane on the phone, much to the chagrin of Mrs. Kim. Yep. But then she does the three-way call. Remember three-way yes. calling? Oh, yes. I used to do three-way calling all the time. That was party lines for our generation, you no know? No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back in the day, you mm -hmm. could, like, press. You had to have a special on your phone. Yeah. You had to have a pause button or whatever. And, but then mm -hmm. you could hit the receiver. Yep. And get a third person on the yep. line. It was so conference calling for teens, basically. That's right. It was. <laughs> and so, apparently single women who had nothing else to do it. Because that's what I did was talk to my two best friends on the phone every night. It was sad. The sad part is they didn't have anything to do either. Okay, so they do this three-way call so Lane can talk to Henry. Yes. So mm -hmm. that was kind of fun. And, and we see Lorelai going through her family list. Because she's trying to figure out who sent this Blinken ice cream machine. She finds out, talking to these people, that her parents are actually fairly normal from that side of the family oh tree. Gosh. It's funny because it's Lauren Graham on the phone. So you're only hearing one end of the yeah. conversation. And she's like, oh, wow, you don't hear the word wedlock that much anymore. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, so the Bible says that, does it? Wow. You know? Like, yeah, it was great. She, that's a great scene. But she Somebody can't... obviously... Telling her how disapproving yes, they are. Yes, how awful she was. And she's like, okay, so I'm guessing from our conversation that you didn't send this ice cream maker to me for my wedding. So she moves on and she's like, I promise I call you sometime in the next 20 years. Bye. You know? And then she gets off. Who knew my parents were going to be the normal yeah, exactly. ones? Yeah. So, and then we see her at business school. Yes. yes. She's in school as well. Yes. She's taking night classes and this young guy that's in her class named Paul they have this little bit about how she always takes the last burrito out of the vending machine I and can't think of anything worse to eat out of a vending <laughs> no machine kidding. than a burrito yeah here's your grade d beef you know oh. <laughs> yuck they have a little flirty time and they end up going on a date she finally decides that it's time to get out there after max and so we see this this date and we find out that it didn't really go all that well yeah she comes well, back. Well, he's she, younger than she is. Well, she knows he he's younger, but... She looks younger and yeah. he looks older, so, mm -hmm. so you know, they let it wasn't it go. a huge deal. Right, but it, it, I mean... It's probably a bigger deal to her because yeah. she's not telling him how old she is. Yeah, but so. she shows back up at the diner and it's like 9.30 and Rory's like, so it didn't go well or whatever. And yeah. she said something about his, what was his taste in music or something, and it was just kind of like, there was just no there there. Yeah. And so they kind of let it go. Right. Um, and Rory, we're back with her at Chilton. And at first, her group just had her and Paris and Madeline and Louise and a boy named Brad, who was going to be Romeo. Well, then... We've seen Brad before. He's done, like, some of the quiz bowl. Yes, the... I think so. This might be one of the first times we see him, but he's he shows up every once in a while. But mm -hmm. he's not really Romeo material, no. but he's the only boy, so they're going to give it to him. And then we find in this next scene that Tristan didn't have a group, and so the teacher told him to pick one. Well, guess who he picks to be yeah. with? He wants to be with Rory, which ticks off Paris because she likes Tristan, and Tristan likes Rory. And so then he, she's like, well, I'm sorry, but he's Romeo because he's got Romeo written all over him. Then they're trying to figure out who Juliet's going to be. They Louise to be wants chased. to do it, and she's like, yeah, she has to be chased. And she's like, oh, never mind. Yeah. And then Madeline sits up, and she's like, and she has more than three lines. She's like, oh, never mind. Yeah. So then Paris is like, I'm directing or whatever, so I can't be it. So guess who that leaves? That leaves Rory, Rory. to play Juliet to Tristan's Romeo. Yeah, and like, Rory's not too happy about that no, because she of the knows, way she and Tristan sort well, of left things. And, and she knows that he has to kiss her, and she doesn't want to do that. She knows he's going to be awful about it. And so she has this whole thing, should I tell Dean that this yeah. is going to happen? And she finally decides, yeah, I better tell him, which is probably a good idea. Right, and so she and her mom acted out so that she can practice how to tell about That's right. the kiss they've already shared or whatever. So, And then she decides she can't do it. Doesn't she? She, I think she, she decides that she's not going to tell him about the first time that right. they kissed. Mm -hmm. But but then she goes to Tristan and says, please don't tell Dean that this isn't our first kiss. Of course, he's just a jerk and The next thing it. you see is Tristan ending up at Dosey's Market, mm -hmm. needling Dean yep. back and forth. I don't think he tells him about the kiss there. Not then. But, but he's like, 
Mm. He's needling him because he gets to kiss her in the play. Uh-huh. The one yeah. we're talking about is, it, I think it was near the end of the first season, and she and Dean had broken up. It was after they Dean... They were at that same party where Henry and Lane met. Right. It and, was after Dean had yeah. told her he loved her. And Tristan... And he broke up with her. Tristan got dumped publicly at that party, and so then they were sitting there together at the piano and they end up kissing. Right. And then she starts and crying. And that was it. Yeah. One it was, time, yeah. it was done. Yeah. But he kind of treated her badly mm-hmm. after that, and mm-hmm. she... Wasn't well, he's always treated her badly, but yeah. Well, and then, then we find out that... Um, After the market visit, Dean gets a little protective, though. He Well, and we find out that instead of being able to practice at Chilton, um, somebody else has, has taken the auditorium from them, even though Paris reserved it in plenty of time. You know, she's all, like, freaking out. So she's like, there's a place that I found called, you know patties or miss patties in your hometown and it's 700 square feet so we're going to practice there and rory's like oh my gosh i don't want to practice in my hometown i don't want chilton and stars hollow to meet and <laughs> it's like worlds collide from yes. seinfeld <laughs> yes and so then dean finds out that they're going to be practicing there so he decides he's going to watch practice and rory's like i no, i don't think that's a good idea but he's like, I just want to come and she's like, just come and see the performance. And he's no, he wants to and see Lorelai jumps in and starts telling him how boring Shakespeare. Oh, yeah. Is it's and... so boring. I mean, seriously, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring stimulants or what, you know, I have no <laughs> I idea what she says, but she's trying to really help Rory and it doesn't work. Yeah, no. But the funny I thought the funniest scene. <laughs> Lorelai at Luke's Diane. Yeah. OK, so we're getting back breakfast, at Luke's. Getting coffee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sitting there innocently. And all of a sudden, this guy is there. With his with parents. a couple of older people yeah. who are presumably his parents. Uh-huh. Baseball cap. Yep. Like college jersey. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, hi. Yeah. And he says, says hi to Lorelai. And we realize that it's Paul. Yeah, it's the, the guy, the guy she, she went on a date. He looks like he's 12 years old. <laughs> and Lorelai's like, hi, hi. Oh, hi. Hi, Paul. I didn't recognize you with the ball cap. And are these your parents? You know? Cause <laughs> and like, they look about her age. And he's like, this is the lady I went out with. And, you know, I'm sure as parents, she must look really young because they didn't react how you would think that, uh, dude, she's in her 30s. What are you yeah. thinking? You know? But. No. Yeah. Yeah. So, but but Luke, Luke catches on. <laughs> and and Rory's the... sitting there like. Yes. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. So they both start teasing her about robbing the cradle and every joke you can think about about dating a younger guy. It's perfect. Is he allowed to be off campus right now? (laughs) (laughs) She's like, he looked older when we went out, but he looked looked like a high school kid, not a college business school kid. It It was was great. Oh my gosh, that was perfect. And they just keep going. Like all the jokes just keep coming at her throughout the rest of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Then they show the rehearsal, mm. the Shakespeare rehearsal, Romeo and Juliet <sighs> mm-hmm. at Miss Patty's. Mm-hmm. And Tristan is, of course, being a jerk. Yeah. He's, he's, um, enjoying the fact that he gets to kiss her again in front of dean this time and then dean shows up to the rehearsal Mm -hmm. so he's you know making sure dean can see him and looking at him Mm -hmm. and you know all kinds of just yes quite a immature challenge in his eyes and just typical male posturing and what does he do he tells about the first kiss yeah and says you know thank goodness this isn't the first time we've done this Uh or something smart like that and Rory finally says, yeah. I think he better go because yeah. this is just, you're just making can't it harder. concentrate yeah. and you're riling him up and he's riling you up. And I, I, this is part of my, it's like 40% of my grade, you know, I need this to go well. So then she nail, lays into Tristan, Tristan and his beeper goes off. Mm. This is the day and age of beepers yeah. too, which you never see a beeper no. anymore. He looks down, he's like, well, I gotta go. And, and he takes off he leaves. during the rehearsal mm-hmm. and he's Romeo and Paris has a fit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big time. Cause they were performing in like two days or yeah. something. It was soon. So eventually we find out. So right before the performance. Yes. Sunday afternoon performance. They can't find Tristan. Right. He's not there. So Paris and Rory split up and they're looking all over the school for him. And then he bumps into Rory, tells her, yeah, I can't do this. And she's like, what are you talking about? He's like, yep, apparently I'm going to military school. She's like, why? And he's like, well, I did something with these two I've been hanging out with. And she had told him earlier, these two guys are not people you should be hanging out with. Right. So his dad's like, I'm done. They stole something out of somebody's safe, and it was just bad. So he's going to military school. He can't be in the play. So now they don't have a Romeo. 
So the Which f- is kind of key when you're doing Romeo yeah. and Juliet. <laughs> yeah. So we see Paris come up in the outfit dressed like Romeo. And she tells Rory, you better start sucking on an Altoid. <laughs> she decides she, Paris is going to be Romeo. She can't handle Because Brad had already transferred schools. He was going to go somewhere else. And so they didn't have a male. So, but she's just, I'm not going to trust it to anybody else. So Well, funny. she's always concerned. Oh, it's always a huge percentage yes. of their grade. So these group projects that mm-hmm. they put them in. So. The end is Lorelai and Luke mm-hmm. at the diner again. Mm-hmm. And she asks, are you good at dating? And he's like, well, I live with my nephew, so no. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I just discovered that I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm not good at it. Yeah. I'm not, I, I didn't have a lot of practice because Rory came along so soon. And she goes, and I don't have that very, that many people that are in my life for good. And he says, well, you have me, obviously. Which everybody goes, oh, oh, yeah. And everybody's like, that's right, baby, you got him. <laughs> he's so cute. Yes. Even when he's gruff, we love him. So, <laughs> And then he says, you know, tell me about the play or whatever. And then they kind of just drift back into the yeah. normal conversation. But it's like a, oh, a little Luke and Lorelai moment. They're giving us a few of those in the second season. Mm-hmm. I like that. I do, too. Because they give them right at the very beginning of the first season. And then they pull them apart and bring in Max. Yeah, and they... You know? I think they do a really good job of weaving it all together mm-hmm. in a fairly realistic way. Yeah. I mean, the Max thing happened kind of quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. at her age, I mm-hmm. could see that happening right. quickly. Yeah. She knows what she wants. She knows what she doesn't want. Boom, he's what I want. Oh, maybe he's not. You know, right. like, yeah. Yeah, so I enjoy the second season. So I hope the sound was better <laughs> <laughs> on episode <laughs> Nine? Nine, yes. Yeah, episode nine. So, we'll yeah. We'll keep our fingers crossed. So, next time, we'll see you for 10, 11, 12. But that's, that sums up Sink Our Rockers for this time. That brings us to the end of another episode. Next time, we're going to review the movie Fences with Denzel Washington. And we'll continue with season two, episodes 10, 11, and 12 of Gilmore Girls. So, cue them up on Netflix and join in our discussion. Please visit our Patreon page and our Amazon link, both which help with the monthly cost of our podcast, and are on our website, meetmeonthefrontporch.com. So until next time, smile at those who frown, talk lots, but listen more, and next time we'll see you on on the the front front porch. porch. Remember when Armstrong comes back and they're not sure if he makes it for re-entry? That reminded me of Apollo 13 a lot. That was Alan Shepard. That was Alan Shepard? Yeah, he's the one that went around. Yes. No, it was Neil Armstrong. In Hidden Figures that we just watched? Yeah. At the very end. Yes. Okay, there's another one where they're... It's yeah, but Alan when Shepherd. he... When, I know, but oh. he does fine. When Armstrong comes back, they're not sure he's making it through re-entry because they keep saying... Right. Are they there? Forget it. I'm sorry. I'm Let's just... start at the beginning. <laughs> he maybe should have looked that up. Yeah, we should have looked a lot. They kept talking about Alan Shepard. No, that's okay. Don't worry about it. Okay. Um. That would be a fourteen-year-old coming <laughs> up and his way the through the room. <laughs> yeah. Don't ask what you're doing, mom. In two bodies. But with Paris, it's generally it's antagonistic, but funny. I love the way you finish my sentence. Because you can always tell when I can't think of the word that I want. (laughs) That was perfect. Either that or it's just that I can't shut up and you should hit me. (laughs) No, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) And I always think, I'm glad she thought of that word because I couldn't think of the word.